And we're here with Joni Brennan, who is the president of... The DIAC. That's the Digital Identity Authentication Council of Canada. That sounds pretty important. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, about the DIAC? Yeah, so uh, first of all, thanks for having us. So I'll tell you a bit about DIAC, but maybe I'll tell you a little bit about me. Um, I am a new permanent resident of Canada. Um, I've been here for about two years now. Um, Love it. Fantastic. And also very proud to be a British Columbian and Vancouverite. So uh, yeah, so and I'm originally from New Jersey. So I'm kind of a New York, New Jersey girl. Uh, and I've just really fallen in love with the, the mountains and the air and the all the fantastic um, tech that's happening here in Vancouver. It's really a, a bit of a Silicon Valley of the North kind of buzz that's happening. So super cool. So you've moved all the way across coasts. Yeah, and uh, so so uh, p- part of how I came here, um, my husband's Canadian, so thank you, husband. Uh, but part of how I came here was to work specifically on solving some of the challenges with digital identity, meaning every place where you log in, every form that you get asked to fill out, um, all of the personal information um, about you um, on the internet. Uh, how can we help to solve all of those problems uh, that we have? Because we all know too many user IDs and passwords. Nobody likes filling out forms. Um, and we all know there are many, many breaches. Um, and so how do we solve those problems? And um, not only solve those problems, but how do we unlock opportunities for Canadians and, and opportunities global? Because, uh, you know, the internet is a global creature. So uh, what we do here that's good for Canadians, uh, what we're here to do is uh, hopefully bring those ideals and those cultural values out across the digital economy and out to the world as well. So so here's a question that probably seems like it has an obvious answer, but I'm curious, what is an identity anyway? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny, words can be very loaded things. And so uh, when you ask what is an identity, there are lots of ways to answer that. Um, if we were talking about, um, I talked about being a permanent resident. Well, my identity in British Columbia uh, is based upon uh, checking of some documents, like a passport in my history, and then I get this permanent resident card. And so as far as the government's concerned, the federal government, um, that permanent resident card is my identity anchor here in Canada. And then that's basically the root for all of my identity bits and pieces um, here in British Columbia. But really, that's a specific view about a citizen to a government. So I like to think about more, uh, think about identity more as being a construct of a village. And so if you think about Um, just a basic question, kind of, who am I? Well, it really matters who's asking you that question. And so, um, you know, uh, depending on who's asking, you could say, well, um, I'm a president of DIAC, or I'm a wife, or I'm a flautist who plays music, or I um, used to be an emergency medical technician. So a lot about 
um, who we are and, and our identity is based upon uh, making a claim that we are something. Um, and then someone from outside actually reinforcing that claim um, to, to, to say we are who we say we are. And so we, we change context constantly. Um, we do a pretty good job of that in the real world. Um, in the digital world, we haven't quite figured out how to, uh, we're much more challenged moving from one context to the next. A few weeks ago at the uh, Advanced Digital Innovation Summit, Andreas Antonopoulos said something um, along the lines of, you don't need to know an identity. Uh, something like, you know, a while ago, uh, they thought that knowing an identity would solve a particular problem, uh, something like access to a bank account, for example. But as they were working on that, somewhere along the line, knowing a person's identity became the focus, became the problem they were trying to solve, even though it isn't necessary for solving the problem of access to an account. So out there in podcast land, I'm nodding my head profusely, and I know that you can't see that. So um, yeah, so the, the digital identity landscape, let's say the kind of industry of people who focus on these issues, it really has shifted um, for some time now to what we call verified claims. Um, and so claims are basically, um, I'm over 18, I'm over 21. I live in this building, um, or I'm really a company, or so these are claims, and um, and so verifying these specific claims is actually much more interesting than the whole of the sum of if identity is kind of a bag of attributes, a bag of attributes about you, a bag of things. We usually we quite often don't need that whole summation of of an identity. All we need to know is. Am I of age to purchase liquor or am I of age to, to – or should I have access? So it becomes much more about access control and then showing – having data minimization, not giving out more information that's needed. That's a privacy measure, but it's also a security measure. Um, and then being able to identify what's that smallest amount of information that I can provide that can be verified, that can gain me access to what I want to get to. And quite often, it really doesn't matter, you know, that my name is Joni Brennan or, you know, I could I could have told you my name is anything. Um, but what really is about just getting access to that thing or that service or that good that I'm trying to get access to. So I think that's that's quite accurate. And in our world, we would we would talk about that whole space as really verifying claims and who are the right parties to verify those claims and what's the lowest amount of information we can give. What are some interesting and innovative ways of addressing some of the problems, answering questions like, should someone or some entity have access to something? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think what we want to think about is um, not pushing data around. Um, and I think we want to think about there's, there are people and organizations who can <clears throat> verify claims that we make um, in terms of um, innovative ways of looking at this. Um, you know, we know for sure that filling out forms is not innovative. We know for sure that the old ways of having honeypots of data unprotected is not the way forward. Um, we're Right now, we're working on this um, uh, me personally, I look at th th this whole space as a bit of kind of an infrastructure issue. And so we've built this internet world on top of this infrastructure that wasn't really built to scale this way and doesn't have the right privacy controls and the right um, uh, security controls. And so um, thinking about how we can have constructs um, 
technology and policy wise to enable us to move about more securely and more anonymously. So, um, you know, if I'm thinking about um, if I want to open a bank account, can I do that without actually going into the bank? Um, if I want to lease a car, can I do that <clears throat> without going to the car dealer? Can I do that without giving them all this extra information about me that they don't need to know? Um, we get asked for information almost every place we go online and quite often we lie, uh, which I think is a great strategy, uh, but it doesn't, uh, because I think we know that we're giving too much information. So I think part of the challenge around digital identity is that um, I often think about it recently as uh, the world prior to the power grid. And I think the power grid is something that we don't really think about until the power goes out. It's like invisible. Um, And when people were selling the concept of the power grid to factories, factories were all running their own dynamos to create electricity. And so the sale there, uh, way, way back, um, was, hey, if you invest and get into this power grid, you won't have to run your own dynamo. You won't have to fix it. You won't have to do all these things. And your factory can run 24 hours. Now, I won't talk about labor laws or things like that, but that was part of the sell. So um, so if we think about kind of where we're working in identity, um, it's actually can be a little bit hard because uh, we couldn't have imagined in the time of pre-electricity to say, hey, we're going to have computers and we're going to have internet and we're going to have all this great stuff. So it, so what we can do once we move to a system that's um, more distributed, more recognizing this, that identity is made up of this village of of relationships, that it's very relationship-based, um, the things that we can do are almost unimaginable. And so part of what we're trying to do, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm definitely not a, an expert in blockchain, for example, or, or some of the emerging AI technologies or things like that. Um, but what we want to do is help to solve that infrastructure foundational layer around digital identity and claims that's secure, convenient, and private so that entrepreneurs uh, don't have to think about that identity layer. They can really focus on, hey, what's the next cool service I can deliver uh, to to anyone, whether that's shared economy things like Airbnb. You know, so think about a bad example. Um, Many services now like Airbnb are asking people to take photos of their driver's licenses. So we're really training very bad behaviors for people um, <clears throat> of what to do, of how to solve these problems. So we should be able to, if we could bring that confidence, we know who you are, we know that um, you should have access to whatever this thing we're doing is, then the types of innovations that could flow on top of that are, you know, really unimaginable. So lots of um, anywhere you're dealing with sharing economy, anywhere you're dealing with, think about Canada as well. We have many remote populations. Um, and so we have people that are so far out of the cities and we want to be able to have them, get them to have access to do business deals, to get their um, technology out into the world. So we're trying to help specifically on that identity layer so that really smart entrepreneurs can use their imaginations and think about what great things they can do. So in what situations does it matter what uh, pieces of information make up an identity? What are some things that make that identity? How do we make it safe? And what are some of the dangers of not doing so? Yeah, well, um, uh, so first of all, I would say that the anonymous piece um, and the safety, the security, and the privacy, I see the security and the privacy as being on the same team. Um, so the more uh, privacy-respecting systems that we create, the more secure they're going to be by nature. So I think um, uh, you know, cryptography in combination with blockchain is incredibly interesting. Um, uh, so I think... Uh, the safety feature, um, safety is high up in terms of what we need. And, and we, 
again, we do a pretty good job at that in the real world. We understand the rules of the road if we're driving. Um, we understand um, that cars have been inspected, you know, and they have standards. So we know that they're basically safe. I don't really know or care how the car works when I start it, but I know that some group of people um, with public interest has um, has participated in that uh, in those safety standards. Um, doesn't mean that I can't drive my car off into English Bay if I wanted to. I still could. Probably not advisable. Uh, so there will never be a 100% secure, uh, well, at least I, I don't know that I can vision a 100% secure um, environment, but really having the balance of um, that security element to protect our uh, data, data about us, the privacy element, which goes hand in hand with the security, and really privacy is about choice, me deciding when I share information with who and for what purpose and for what amount of time. So privacy for me is a choice, is a kind of a choice that you make. Um, and then convenience, because if it's not easy, nobody's going to use it. Like, you know, let's face it, the it, solutions have to be convenient. Um, and so, uh, so, so the, so the, the way that we're working now, the systems that we have now, um, are not as safe as they could be. And, it, you know, yeah, it, it, it's Equifax one day, it's another company the next day, it's another company the day after, and three other companies before that. I find it somewhat surprising that we allow organizations to uh, track our history on our spending uh, and claim themselves to be authorities of our identities. Shouldn't something like this be illegal? Well, you know, it's um it, so... Part of so when we talk about legal or illegal, I think we also have to work to get the right um, technologies in place to help these problems to get solved. So, for example, um, um, the do not track uh, uh, in Europe, great concept, but the way that the internet works, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily uh, really solve the problem. So <clears throat> it's like we keep kicking the problem down the line. And so we have to move again to this place where we're not pushing data around um, as much. Um, and that data that is um, that the data that does exist is in our control. Um, it's cryptographically protected that we can uh, make choices about when and where it's shared. What do you mean by in our control? Um, so I would say, uh, and control is another one of those loaded words, right? So um, for example, uh, I was in a hospital once and I said, uh, they had a, my record in a folder and I said, hey, can I see that? And they said, no, we can't show that to you. Now I'm going to go assume that they couldn't show it to me for liability purposes, like that a folder of information about me and they couldn't show it to me, they said. So um, I snuck out of my room late at night, stole the folder. It was securely stored on the wall. Um, and it said that I had a hearing impairment, but really the girl in the bed next to me had a hearing impairment. And so um, maybe I shouldn't be I shouldn't be allowed to make changes to my health record, but I should be allowed to flag that to the to the doctor and say, hey, wait a minute, you might have this wrong. So performing some hygiene. So, um, you know, the question around data ownership is, uh, is, a, is a deep question that we could get into. But when there is data about me, whether I've created it or whether someone else is asserting it, I should have the mechanisms to be able to have a proportional um, uh, say and opportunity in how that data is used. Now, 
that that type of ecosystem does not exist yet. Um, but we have very good beginnings. And this is why I think, you know, technologies like blockchain and, and distributed models. Um, and again, I'll say I'm not a blockchain expert, so I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in dogma, but permissioned and permissionless ledgers and all of the flavors of distributed ledger, I think it brings a very interesting element into um, this idea of not pushing information around, keeping it protected and giving users proportionality and how that data is used. So let's talk a bit about the decentralization aspect of blockchain. Why is that important? Is that important? Why does it help? Conversely, are there dangers associated with decentralization? Yeah, I think um, it's really interesting. So in the DIAC, we're doing a lot of exploration around centralized, decentralized. Um, I think there's, in general, we see that the centralized ways of doing things don't aren't dynamic enough to um, <clears throat> to solve the problems that we're having. So decentralized becomes very interesting. Distributed becomes very interesting. Uh, we started off by saying, um, you know, um, so I said that I work for the DIAC, but really the DIAC is the right one to say with authority that I work for it. <laughs> so, um, so if, if, if who we are is made up of others, um, verifying some of the things that we say, uh, then we, then this decentralized view starts to actually reflect, um, more of an ecosystem than a centralized view would reflect. Um, we also have, um, we also have different levels now in Canada. You know, we're pretty lucky. We have a lot of penetration on mobile um, devices and, and um, um, internet access, uh, you know, still a way to go. But we, we have a very high techn technologically literate population. Um, but we can't, you know, leave anyone behind. So there are also people who are under-identified, who don't have any type of anchor driver's license or document to show who they are. There are refugees. So there are also people, um, when we start to think about there's um, uh, government saying, yes, this is who, you know, we say it is. Uh, but then there are people who really fall out of that as well. And so I think that distributed and that decentralized model can help to, to bring these capabilities across to those who are under-identified and underserved um, as well by providing them an anchor in the distributed world. Andreas Antonopoulos mentioned something at the ADI summit um, about a potentially bad thing with regards to the immutable nature of blockchain. Uh, it was something like humans tend to forget things over time, such as mistakes, uh, and we get second chances. What if rather than developing uh, a system where we look at transactions throughout history uh, that are immutable, um, rather than that, we find sort of mutual points of trust, like something like, you know, entities we've mutually interacted with that can provide a history uh, of recent interactions type thing. Yeah. And so those are, you know, this concept of trust anchors and we have lots of that and we see that in like LinkedIn, for example, endorsements, you know, um, uh, you know, I get endorsed for all sorts of things. It doesn't necessarily mean I really know what they are, but um, according to my LinkedIn connections, I'm really good at CSS. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. And, and so those are some really key points and I want to take them apart for a moment. Um, in terms of immutable, that's a big concern, right? And so storing identity data on the blockchain is something I'm not personally sure about. Um, I've seen some very interesting uh, looks at where the blockchain could be used to track records of consent versus um, records of specific data. So that's kind of really interesting because it's not about now my identity is not in the blockchain, but the fact that I 
gave permission, um, and and it's all cryptographically protected, so you'd need all the parties to kind of unpack that. Um, but that I gave that something was asked of me, and that I gave permission for another party to verify it versus the identity data in the blockchain. Um, I suppose that um, if something was wrong in the blockchain, the next time you did an entry, you could overwrite it and re- re- rewrite it, so the next block would have the correction. Um, gets a little bit out of my blockchain engineering chops, but. Um, but yeah, so so uh, I have seen some interesting use cases around records of consent, requests, consent, and verification in, in a in a, um, a as a transactional record. Um, I think something else that's interesting about that as well is thinking about where our cultural priorities fall. And so, um, for example, in countries like Estonia, um, they've had others come in and in effect rewrite their history. And so, in Estonia, they um, much more value transparency and they want an immutable record because someone has come in and rewritten their history in the past. Now in Canada, we, we fall more on the, the privacy, um, and the, um, uh, so, so we also value transparency, but in a bit of a different way, but, but in Estonia, it, for them, that's how it played out. And so when you think about how we solve these digital identity um, challenges and opportunities, we can't forget the culture. We can't forget the context. And so one size fits all is not necessarily uh, is a, a great way forward, but testing out these innovations and seeing um, what works in one community, what works in another, and where can we carry over and each time move the ball forward a bit. What are currently some hot discussions around the Digital ID and Authentication Council meetings? Yeah, well, I mean, we have tons of them. I'll tell you that um, definitely some hot discussions are around um, modeling, um, kind of older login, more centralized hub login models versus distributed networks versus um, uh networks uh for digital identity and again maybe identity isn't in the in the blockchain in this case but uh permission versus permissionless what can these two types of models provide um into our realm um we're having some interesting topical uh i'll tell you you asked a bit about innovation as well um a place where this is coming out as well um in the diac is around um land and title registries so um i i would say for um blockchain communities i think registries are pretty um it, it makes a lot of sense when you need a, a longitudinal record over time um that has provenance uh, um, registries are a great example, whatever they're whatever they're registering. Um, but right now we have a design challenge um, that's up on our diac.ca website that's open to all um, that talks about land and title, um, a land and title use case uh, with issuing certificates for titles. And so, for example, um, it, when you think about how all these pieces of data relate to each other and then the security and privacy around them, uh, right now we don't have good records of um, thinking about land and title, you you being the owner or the paying the mortgage on a, a piece of land um, as an attribute. That could be an attribute about me. That's another thing. I own land or I'm paying for land. Um, so, and right now the relationship isn't there. So to get good actionable data for city planning, for knowing what types of good policy should go in place. Um, so this is why we have um, this first of our design challenges up, um, which has a use case around um, land and title research certificates and can we bring can can the intersection of digital identity and blockchain 
help to solve some of the issues around um, the challenges with land and uh, title registries today. If someone wants to learn more or reach out, what would be some good channels? Yeah, um, so at our diac.ca, that's D-I-A-C-C dot C-A, uh, we have uh, the design challenges up. That's right available from the front page. Um, we have Twitter, my Diac. We we're pretty active on Twitter, um, and then we do have um, we have um, a, a meeting. At, sorry, a conference, uh, Identity North. So the Identity North is a conference that's been going on for a number of years. Um, I believe it tends to uh, for the recent years it's been uh, hosted annually and it's been in Toronto. And this is the first year that there is a Identity Northwestern forum. So that's really exciting. Um, that's November seventh and eighth. That's open to anyone um, to uh, get engaged in. So that is hosted uh, by uh, uh, one of our DIAC founders, TELUS, and that's at the beautiful TELUS Gardens downtown. Uh, so, so yeah, so we'll be there. And uh, we do do uh, kind of more lightweight meetups as well. So I think, you know, uh, we're dynamic just like everything in this day and age. You have to use every channel available, uh, digital and face-to-face. So, yeah. Joni Brennan, President of the Digital Identification and Authentication Council of Canada. Thank you for being on this episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Thanks so much for having us. It was a real pleasure. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.